welcome back to the SLP Corner Podcast. I hope everyone is having a great start to their Monday morning and I hope you're ready to learn a little bit more or be refreshed on some common questions that we get on bilingualism. So the reason this has come up is because, so I work at Speech Meta, private practice in Richmond, and we actually are collaborating right now with Lulu Lollipop. So I'm going to put their link in my bio of my podcast because they're a really cute child and baby brand for various um, things you'll need if you're like a mom. (laughs) Obviously you can tell I'm not one. But anyways, yeah, it's really, really cute. They're actually based out of Vancouver. I had the opportunity to share a little bit about a common topic in SLP. So I shared about bilingualism. I really like that topic. I find it very interesting. I have covered this topic on my podcast before, and I actually had a professor from my master's program, Dr. Sefka Marinova Todd, on, and I love her so much. She was one of my favorite professors at UBC. This is just my favorite topic. So we had two conversations, episode 25 and episode 26. I re-listened to them and everything before I did the Lulu Lollipop Q&A because I wanted to make sure I had all the evidence and the research in what I shared with everyone. I kind of condensed what me and Dr. Marinova Todd talked about. So I want to share it with you today because I think it'll just be like a quicker version of that. But I do recommend that if you are interested in this topic or you would like to be refreshed on the common questions we get as SLPs, we should definitely know these answers when, when we're getting them from parents and we should definitely be very knowledgeable in this area. So if you want to be refreshed and have a more in-depth look into like the research and everything and just have a more detailed version of this podcast, then I would recommend you go to 25 and 26. That was last August 2020 with Dr. Stefka Marinova Todd. But I'm going to be condensing it and I'm going to be talking about just some main, main questions. This is more like what we hear as SLPs and things we should know. Number one, what does it mean to be bilingual? Dr. Stefka Marinova Todd says that the research says that the evidence and the research and what people are defining bilingualism is, is that it means you have some functional ability in more than one language. So you're able to communicate effectively with speakers of that language. The important part here is that it doesn't mean you need to have native like proficiency. I think this is really important because I think a lot of people think you need to have complete native like proficiency. You need to be able to read, write everything in order to call yourself a bilingual, but actually it means that you just need to be able to functionally communicate with other people of that language. So that is the basis of this today. When we're talking about bilingualism, I'm talking about having functional ability in more than one language. I wanna talk about common questions. Are kids slower to go through language milestones if they're learning two languages? This is so common because I I know like we can all relate. Um, And if you're a parent, you've definitely thought about this probably if you have a bilingual child, like, will they be a little bit slower? And you think like they must be a little bit slower. And then a parent's coming in often say like, they're delayed, but like they're also learning two languages. And what's the important thing here is that bilingual children go through the same language milestones at the same rate as monolingual children. That's what the evidence shows. And it's just very important that we emphasize this. It's not gonna be the reason that a child is a late talker. So if a child's a late talker, it's not because they're bilingual. Bilingual children go through the same language milestones at the same rate as monolingual children. If there are delays, they're going to be present in both languages. If they're slower, less developed in one of their languages, but not the other one, we know that this is not a speech language condition. It's more an effect of differential levels of exposure. So if we are seeing a true language delay, 
then we're going to see that present in both of their languages. Okay, another question parents sometimes ask, will they be confused? And this adds to, are they slower? Because are they just generally more confused? There's no confusion. Before age one, there's evidence that they can actually differentiate and keep the two languages separate. So that's what the research tells us. They're not going to be confused. However, I wanted to share with you guys a funny, not funny, It's I think it's adorable, but I remember in undergrad when I was in psych, we learned that bilingual children can't always use a mutual exclusivity principle to learn words. What they find is that if a monolingual child, so a child learning one language, if they're introduced to two objects and one object is an apple they're familiar with and one object is a random object and it has, it's a, it's just a non-word. So it might be called like a, a work, non-word, completely made up. And they say to the child, which one is the work? Monolingual children are like, okay, I know it's not the apple, so it must be this other object beside it because I know what an apple is. So now I know that I'm gonna use my language to learn. I know this is an apple. This, they must want this one. And then they'll always answer it correctly. That's what the research tells us. But then bilingual children, which I think is so adorable, when they're asked, which one is the work? They don't consistently give the other object because they're like, okay, well, I know this one's an apple, but everything has two names and two labels. So it could be an apple, but it could also be an apple and it could also be a work. Or this could be a work. And they're, they're more confused with like, sometimes like in, in, that, in that research study, they were like, mm, I don't know. So I think that's just kind of an interesting one, but they still get past this and they still go through the same language milestones at the same rate. And they, they do separate the two languages, but it, I just thought that was a really like precious little study to share with you guys on kind of like a look into how they're learning words. So learning words might just look different for them because everything has two labels. So now I want to talk about the benefits. So there are a lot of benefits for children who are growing up bilingual. And the biggest benefits that Dr. Steph Kamirnova Todd talks about are the cognitive and executive functioning benefits. So executive fun functioning benefits look like increased ability to manipulate multiple thoughts, their memory is often, their working memory can often be quite strong, they can pay attention to relevant information, their planning is a little bit stronger, they can just do quite well with suppressing things that aren't necessary and paying attention to what is. And this comes from they need to suppress or switch easily between two languages so that can strengthen their executive functioning skills. And Dr. Stefka Maranova Todd talks a lot about how this is really helpful in school settings because they can stay focused and stay still for longer periods of time and they can switch back and forth easily, which is huge in school settings. Transitions are always hard for kids. So they're able to transition easily between things. What I thought was interesting is that she said, so it transfers to positive abilities in the school settings, but the benefits disappear as early adults. So we see the benefits around five or seven, but then they don't continue over time. So Dr. Steph Marinova Todd said, so if anyone's monolingual, it's not like these benefits continue throughout people's life, but they are clear benefits early on for little kids. Some other benefits that Dr. Steph Marinova Todd talked about is that it delays the onset of Alzheimer's and it's just a lot of social benefits because it's quite enriching to be exposed to a new culture through language. Now I'm gonna quickly touch on autism and bilingualism. So basically, the facts we, we, we all want to know, children with autism are capable of learning a second language or being bilingual. That is a fact. 
so they are capable of learning a second language. And basically what it's going to look like is the level that they have in their L1. So if they have around 50 words in Mandarin, they're going to have around 50 words in English. So they are going to, they are capable of learning two languages. They can totally be bilingual. They're going to have around the same level of functioning in both languages, as we mentioned before. You have the same level of functioning in both languages. So one thing that Dr. Steph Camerino Todd talked about is that, so say a parent immigrated and they came from a different country and say their first language is Vietnamese. And they're coming here and now they're thinking, uh-oh, I need to teach my kids English. I need to start talking English at home, speaking in English at home. This is something you want to think about if when we're talking to parents about exposing them to more than one language, if a parent is trying to speak English at home and it's not their L1, this is likely not the best choice because what Dr. Steph Gamiranova Todd talked about is that we want to provide children with autism or really any child who's having a harder time learning language, we want to provide them with the highest language quality and the most exposure possible. So high level intensive exposure. So the parent should speak to that child what they are most proficient in. And the thing is, is not only if it's not a parent's L1, will the language have more grammatical errors, it'll be choppier, it's not high quality, it's just not. Research shows that they actually speak less to their children as well. So not only is the language quality not going to be there, but they're not going to speak to their child as much. And that's a big problem because we need intensive exposure for children with language delays or children who are having a harder time learning language. So actually trying to speak in something that's not their L1 to their kids, if they're thinking it'll help them when they go into school or learning English will help them when they're just in the community, this is actually going to cause the opposite of effect of what we would expect. And we want to really, really encourage parents to speak their L1, what they're most proficient in, and children will learn in other ways. Dr. Steph Gamiranova Todd talked about how there's a lot of ways for them to learn English, whether it's through exposure in the community, in various activities, in school, when they're in therapy settings. There's lots of, there's lots of opportunities for them to learn another language. So we want to encourage parents to speak what they're most proficient into their children because they're going to speak more and it's higher quality. We talked a little bit about French immersion. So this is more like elective bilingualism. It's a choice. And she just shared that because sometimes parents are like, I'm putting all my kids in French immersion or I'm putting all my kids in a school that's a different language. Should I put my child with autism as well? And she said, you know what? There's pros and cons because although there are a lot of benefits as we discussed, children with autism typically have a lot of commitments outside of school and going into a school that is a brand new language that is a big additional load. The academic requirements are there and now they're in a different language. There's only 24 hours in a day. You want to focus on what matters most. And typically we want to build a solid base in one language first before we choose to have elective bilingualism. It's just something to consider. If, if the parents don't speak that language, they're not going to have a lot of support when they come home. And we just want to really like think about that. It, there's pros and cons. It depends on everyone's situation. It's not like they shouldn't do it or they can't do it, but you really want to like think twice because it's not all just like, oh yeah, just for sure do it. For sure bilingualism is a, is the best thing ever. 100% go into it. No, not really the case. We want to actually really think about that and think about the pros and cons. Okay, well, I'm so glad that we could have a little chat about bilingualism today. If you could all please rate and review the podcast. I know I've said it a million times and you probably already stopped listening, but 
please rate and review. It would mean a lot to me if you could rate and review, and I will see you next Monday. Bye.